I am Thor, son of Odin. As long as there is life in my breast, I am running out of things to say. Great, another broken white boy for us to fix. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. You took everything from me. I don't even know who you are. With great power comes great responsibility. I can do this all day. And welcome back, Internet, to another episode of Views from the 616, the blackest MCU podcast in all of the multiverse. It is I, one of your hosts, Tatiana King, a.k.a. the coldest winter soldier ever, a.k.a. Baptist in America. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host. What's good, y'all? It's your boy, DJ Benjamin, a.k.a. Cosmic Cuba Gooding Jr. Okay. A.K.A. <laughs> John, walk it out. Yes. Yippee-ki-yay. Hey, 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 okay. hey. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. A pimp named Sam Wilson. Yes. Off-White Panther. Oh, yes, that one. <laughs> the Power Token. Wow! Did you just come up with that one today? That's a new one. That's a new one. You know what I mean? We legalized it in NY. So. This is true. Yo, son, they said you can burn it on the street. On like, the stoop, bro. In front of everybody. Stoop's about to be lit this summer. <laughs> I mean, not that that ever stopped anybody, but Facts. hey, now it's legal. But yes, everybody, Woo. welcome back to Views from the 616, where we're here to discuss everything in the MCU from the perspective of people of color. And mm-hmm. thank you for joining us again. We appreciate everybody who was here last week and the people who are have been consistently with us, like with us through For All Nerds, with us through Views from the 616. Mm-hmm. Also, if you haven't seen or heard, we have our drum roll, please. <laughs> our new logo yeah. uh, if you haven't seen it just check out our views from the 616 twitter page it is actually up as our profile pic that logo is fire Ben I mean who made that logo for us oh the one and only the legendary Dr. Infinite Mind Warp formerly known as the artist formerly known as Theodis Jones for those that know ah. and for those that don't know this person mm. is behind the legendary Combat Jet show, Showbills, every week. Wow. I mean, just Google this. Google Combat Jet Showbill. That's wow. all I'm going to tell y'all. And Wow. So we got sprinkles of legendary in there. I mean, pure legendary came through with the views from the 616 featuring the Black Watcher, the Blatcher, I guess. I'm not yes. sure. He's you clearly know, black. Clearly black. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> if you didn't get what our logo is about, that is the Black Watcher. Watching over the MCU mm-hmm. as we do here on Views from the 616. And just to let y'all know, this logo will now be available mm. by the time you hear or see this. Okay. On tpublic.com slash stores slash for all nerds. Luna put those words on the screen right there so people yeah. can see it. <laughs> Because they need to know, maybe flash the logo for them right now so they can see it. I feel like I'm on Home Shopping Network now. But. Yeah, hey, real quick, so they can understand what is doing down here. You can get the views from the 616 logo on your t-shirts, on your pillows, on your stickers. Yeah, I can't wait to get mine. On your mugs. Yo, that 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 exclusive Navi design. You can't even get that design Can't even anymore. get this anymore. You should have copped it while it was available, folks. You know and what that's, I mean? And that's why we always say, if you see something dope on our T Public page, just pick it up because mm-hmm. there's no telling what these 
DMZA or whatever takedowns going to happen and then we're, we're ass out. So just get it if you like it. Yes. That being said, thank you again for everyone who's been supporting us. Hope you enjoy and like the logo. We love it. Hope to see that on many t-shirts very soon. In the meantime, we are here to talk everything The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, specifically episode three, Power Broker. Mm-hmm. Ready, Ben? I mean, I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go into the basic plot. If young Zemo don't trust you, we gon' shoot you. <laughs> because things are heating up on the third episode of The Falcon and the White Wolf, with Sam and Bucky taking drastic measures to make it happen, Captain. So, do the ends justify the means? I guess. But it seems like the Flag Smashers are not the only ones who will find out, as our dynamic duo is joined by the one and only Baron Von Simo, a.k.a. Baron on the Beat. Plus, we travel to one of the homes of a certain hairy mutant, and we are left with just one question. What's going on with Sharon? A lot. How many problems you got? A lot. A lot. (laughs) And we're going to go into all of the things happening with Sharon. We have some theories, some questions about her that we're going to get deep into. But let's start, as usual, with Themes of the Episode. And your first major theme of this episode three is actually a quote from Sam. Sam says this to Bucky while they're arguing in that shipping container fight scene. He says, Mm. quote, it's in every action movie. And Mm. I thought that was pretty hilarious when he said it because I noticed that theme running throughout the entire episode. Yes, it runs throughout the series itself. The series is very like action slash drama slash a little bit of comedy thrown in it, but it's super action oriented. Mm-hmm. But this particular episode was was just just had a, a, a what is that called? A je ne sais quoi? When mm. it comes to, uh, Ben, I mean, you, you noticed it as more 80s type of action. It's a, yes. it's a significant amount of like cheese factor, but it wasn't <laughs> overdone. <laughs> was it? Well, well yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I enjoy it because you know what? I think what I notice a lot about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is there's lots of tongue-in-cheek references, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's smart done. It's not just done. It's not, as you said, as you mentioned about like Easter eggs and things like that, they don't just throw too many things in mm-hmm. there just for fuck's sake. Like, there's meaning and intention in it, right? Yes. So, I, I, I think it was just, just the right amount to be, and that's, that's okay. how I feel. Okay. So we, between the two of us, we were thinking of different movies or shows that the, these scenes elicited, right? The, mm-hmm. how, how they're similar. So Ben, I mean, mentioned Lethal Weapon 2. I mentioned things like Mission Impossible, Born Identity, even other Marvel films, obviously. And we're going to mm-hmm. get into that. And um, you, you mentioned Eraser, the movie with... Um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, you know about Eraser? And, and Vanessa Williams? Yes, and the rail guns. <laughs> they have rail guns in Eraser, yo. They straight up shooting off rail guns at one point. Wait, are you dead ass? Yeah, yo. That's like one of the first. Because I knew about rail guns from like science fiction stories from before that. Uh-huh. But that was like one yeah. of the oh, first. Oh, rail guns. I thought you said real guns. Rail no, rail guns. Yeah, rail guns, guns are. Oh, you uh, thought I said like they was really capping. Yeah, that's what I was like. They was, they was busting out there for real, guys. Like oh, the 80s. The 80s, or whenever that came out, the 80s, 90s was wild. Damn. Arnold was like, fuck it, y'all. <laughs> I thought she was like, live ammo, the fuck? No, no, they have rail guns in, oh, okay. in that. And that was like one of the first times that I'd seen rail guns used in popular culture, at least. Okay. But, okay. Uh, but it, that's because at one point they have a shootout in a shipyard, which also takes place in Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah. 
And I'm sure hella others because there's always a shipyard getting shot at. a TV show movie that has any type of scene that takes place in New York or any seafaring or, mm-hmm. or seaside city, you're going to have a shipping container scene. Even in The Wire, there's a shipping container. For there's it. a like, whole like, season of shipping containers on yeah, The Wire. So, yeah. And we, we have a, like a short list here of just different things. So just so, again, just so you know that we're not tripping. That jail fight scene, that escape scene, mm-hmm. that is that's that's a big trope in a lot of different action movies. You and, go ahead. Yep. No, it also references um, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, with uh, Hannibal and Clarice, with Clarice visiting him and being like, "Yo, I need your help," and helping him escape from prison so that they can go hunt. Uh, what was it? Big. Uh, I can't. I hate that dude. I hate right. that movie. Yeah. It wasn't as violent, but it was giving me a little bit of Punisher Netflix tease. Just Ooh, about- that that was not that was super violent. Yeah, and yeah. nowhere near as violent, but still, yeah. just that 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 feel. Mm-hmm. The fact that you with throughout you you working with your enemies, you have Zemo here working directly with Sam and Bucky. That's like every single you know, especially usually like the third or fourth you know '80s movie or whatever in the series. They always have to work with their enemies or. Uh, Fast and Furious, like people yes, forget. Fast and Furious, I love Fast and Furious. Oh, love it! But people forget <laughs> that Jason Statham is like their hated enemy, you know. And now suddenly it's you know, uh, Rick Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, wait a minute, you know. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but yes, that's a prime example of that. Like we're mm-hmm. going from bad to good, you know. Yeah, so. More prime examples include Bucky's bar fight in Madripoor. Mm. Bucky went off. I loved every second of Bucky going off. Yeah, he put in some work. Yo. Uh, slow quick. motion shots when you're doing your important meetups. Like, it was unnecessary slow motion. Let's face it. When they were walking back to go talk to Selby, mm-hmm. wasn't really necessary. No, did it look cool? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, uh, real quick on some musical notes on that bar fight in Madripoor. When they're in the bar fight, because Zemo is, this is really ill, and I actually saw this on a video on YouTube. I heard that I heard the Winter Soldier part, right? Winter Soldier theme mm-hmm. plays when Bucky starts throwing the work, yes. but also interspersed with Winter Soldier's theme is Zemo's notes from Civil War. Oh, so it's showing you that Zemo working together. Yeah, Zemo's in control of this situation once again. That he's goading mm. him, forcing him, you know, all these type of things. And mm. Even without using the words that we'll get into later that, you know, y- y'all know the words. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, Bucky chose violence. When I say, Facts. I mean, this was a clear indication of him choosing violence. He ain't need to do all that, but I was having a blast. Also, indicative of all of this stuff, the illegal trade meetups gone bad. That happens all the mm. time. The meetups never work. They're always like, okay, we're going to pretend that we're this people. Something always goes wrong as we see what happens when, uh, excuse me, Sam gets that call from his sister, Sarah, and she calls him Sam in the middle of him trying to impersonate Smiling Tiger. <laughs> I, 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 that was what I was talking about, like where I was like, okay, the cheese factor in this yeah. episode is a little much, you know? Well, it, it, it was just silly. Uh, and also yeah. silly, the ridiculous bounties. Like, whenever you see your heroes on the run in these types of movies, there's always some one billion dollar bounty or something like that. Not quite a billion, but 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 getting up there, they put a one k Bitcoin bounty on these folks, and that's approximately like fifty eight million dollars USD. So it's just just for them to be like they're dead immediately. Uh, them them escaping from Selby's, the club scene, like the the dancing and all that carrying on, particularly from um, what you call him, Baron with the beat or Baron on the Baron beat? on the beat, Baron on the beat. Yeah, that was then even that. Like I say. 
we had a different, you know, like me and you remember Budapest very differently yes. because, <laughs> like, I this episode, I was like, ah, like when they come out of the club scene, they're like, oh, uh, well, that know. was cheesy, but I was on purpose. No, but when they, it was great. Don't get me wrong, Baron, you know, dancing in the club, I loved it. But when they come out of the scene. Falcon and Baron are like, yo, New York gives, I mean, Madripoor gives New York a run for the money. I'm just like, oh my God, this is like, (laughs) really, dog? This dude is a monster. And y'all just broke him out of prison. We're going to talk about that, okay? But this is the themes, okay? And rounding out. And that's in that theme, the cheese. Rounding these out is the the idea of like heroes using little pop pop pistols versus Uzi's. Oh, that's Draco's. Yeah, versus anything, yo. My man's stepped out. I mean, they stepped through an explosion that should have killed all of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, Giant all, random explosions. I mean, just should have been dead. Heroes walk walking out. away from certain death. <laughs> yeah, they walk out and just start busting, like straight up start busting on these fools with pistols yeah. while these tats drop every gun in the book and they are just yeah. straight pow, pow, pow. and blah, blah, yeah. blah, you know. Like, I understand Bucky, and I guess they got out the shipping container fast enough when it blew up after the... Hell no! But how? Maybe Bucky, how did all of them walk away? They no were scratches. on the second floor, you know, like, upstairs. <laughs> that shit gets hit by a rocket. They're laying on the ground. They get up, and then it explodes. <laughs> and then And then suddenly, like, they're just walking out. I, that's like, I mean, I got it because it was hilarious, but it was also like, what? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, it, they were on the second floor and it, it explodes and it, you at least think like there could be, you know, oh, let's get out of here. No, they just walk out, start shooting, no, blah, like- blah, start cracking jokes about going left. I mean, <laughs> and oh even that, man. That idea of Bucky and... Sam arguing also reminded me of Rush Hour. It reminded me of oh Chris every Tucker single one and, and Jackie Chan when they are constantly like just arguing in the middle of fights and it's just mm-hmm. like this is not the time and it just going off and that's what I'm saying when we talk about like that 80s 90s action movie style and and the the tropes and the cheese factor that goes along with it and that Rush Hour you know goes back before that to like Lethal Weapon which I'm sure there are references before that. As far as I know, Lethal Weapon is one of the first modern ones with this black and white, you know, tab team, which they later replaced with the Asian. But it's usually, you know, people of different worlds, whatever, trying mm-hmm. to understand each other. I can't understand the word you're saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's always... Yeah, and while, um, you know, in Lethal Weapon, it's, I'm too old for this shit. Like, which I'm waiting for somebody to come with that or some variation of that. Like, Bucky, the white man, needs to come with What's the name? I'm getting too old for this shit. You were complaining about Cheese Factor, so what if Bucky said that this episode? Oh, I would have loved it. All right, then. Yeah, I would have loved it. I would have lost it. Like, if somebody, like, I... I mean, he is. He's 106. Remember that. I know. In fact, when Bucky threw the pipe through that woman, you know, and there was a... We'll get into this, because there was some serious reaction from Bucky, you know, in that scene, when he Mm -hmm. throws his pipe at the woman. Yes. But me, I'm reminded of Commando where Arnold throws a pipe through a man and then the steam comes out and he says, let off some steam. Like, that's the type of shit I need. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God. Dead ass. That's, or, or no, I, mean, I, I, I never knew, like, I don't know what the scene you're talking about. I've never seen it before. So oh for my you God. to say you, that, okay, that let me actually tell you, happened, I'm you like, have oh to watch Tremando. Like, it's okay. something that even if you've never seen it, it you will cry okay. because it is just the most, it's it's just line after line of pure stupidity like that, you know? <laughs> just, I mean, five minutes into the movie, it starts, and it never lets up, and they're all perfect. Yeah. Or like in Predator, he does it too. A dude busts through the wall, he throws a knife, and it sticks him to the wall. Yeah. Stick around. Oh you my know? God, 
what? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's some uh, Mr. Freeze shit. That's what like, I miss. <laughs> I miss that from action movies. Like, they try and do it nowadays. Like, you know, Rock tries too, to do it in Fast and Furious. Like, you know, daddy's got to go to work when he busts off the thing. But it's still not like, you know, stick around or let off some steam. You know, like my man okay. is literally pouring steam from his chest. And he so you, you want iconic cheese lines. There you go. Thank gotcha. you. That's what I want. I want, you know, I want him to be over the top ridiculous, you know. Gotcha, but gotcha. iconic. Yeah. All right. All right. And I didn't get that in this episode. Nobody really had any great line. Like, Bucky's too shook after he throws the pipe <laughs> through the woman to say some, you know, like swift shit right there. That's what I needed what right there. What would you want him to have said? And not the steam line. Please don't say that. <laughs> Pin a tail on a donkey. I don't oh know. Oh, my God. No, no, <laughs> That's no, That's off no, the top no, of no. my head. Wait, he threw a um, pipe, right? Um, yeah. Um, no, God. I'm afraid of what you're going to say. <laughs> I am, too. So let's no, move no, on. No, no. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to the he next thing. He could have done the, um, he's trying to get the pipe. But my, who's my man? <laughs> the ball. There's a ball player who said this line to a woman in a direct message. This is a true story. I don't, you know. Oh, God. I can't believe his name is slipping my mind right now. Are you? Okay. We're moving on. We're moving on to the next theme. (laughs) That would have been so good. Okay. The next theme is women do the work. And I pull this up as a theme because within episode three, you see women from both sides of the equation, meaning whether you agree with them or disagree, whether they're Mm. protagonists or antagonists, you see women from all over doing the legwork and the wet work. Now, if you are in a certain line of business, you know what wet work means. Mm. And a lot of this women do. Yo, a lot of the work that these women are doing is commonly associated with men. And also, this episode flips some of the tropes that happen within women in the action genre. Let's mm. start first with Sharon. Mm. So, Sharon Carter, she's, as we meet her up in Madripoor, we find out that she's been laying low here. Like, she had been on the run and still is on the run. So, first, my question is, how the fuck is you still on the run? But, I mean, I, I get he's an Avenger, but what's his face? Sam and and even Bucky got pardoned and they cool. So, I, I'm like... I know you was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, then you was CIA, then you was that, but, like, you don't get nothing? This keeps going back to our theory that Captain America, Steve Rogers, is garbage. Because... Like, Sharon, okay, and, and, and let's let's set the stage real quick, because for people who don't 100% know who Sharon Carter is, mm. Sharon, and depending on if you're looking at the, the comics or you're looking at the MCU, mm-hmm. she's either the niece or the great-niece of Peggy Carter. Yes. Peggy Carter is Cap's girl. The, the real one Cap. he went to give the pipe to. This is why I we can't started it. it, and you know I'm gonna finish it. <laughs> so I mean, and also like, I, 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 was it Civil War where like Sharon was was yes. acting like she was somebody else, and she was living next door to Steve, and they kind of almost had a a romantic relationship in the comics. They do end up I having mean, a romantic romantic relationship. They damn sure do. It was and, just actually a little weird, but oh, it gets super. Oh, trust me, I just read those. Oh my god, like the disrespect. That, Great uh, niece uh, I, slash I'm, niece. You just brought you just like triggered me and brought me back to it because I just read the Ed Brubaker um Captain America run where he first creates the Winter Soldier and all this idea of Bucky and everything we we've mm-hmm. seen and like I mean a lot of the iconic lines are taken from it. But what has not been taken from it so far is the utter disrespect 
that Ed Brubaker and everyone involved in the creation of this comic have for the character of Sharon Carter. I yo, well, I was a man, appalled. A man would do that. No, but fam, this shit ain't old. This shit is like I know less than ten years old, and people called it iconic. You know, they're like, "Oh my god, you got to read it." And I'm reading. It, I'm like, "Okay, this is I. Right. It's a little overly violent." And yes, a lot of the dope stuff we've seen with the Winter Soldiers in there, just the idea of Bucky surviving and getting this metal arm, all that comes from that. So that's fire, right? Mm-hmm. But oh my God, I don't want to spoil it for people, but just the way Sharon Carter is, I mean, Treated. It's, it's just on a level that I would not even expect in a comic that it, was made in this century. So is her treatment reflective in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Maybe no. not the specifics, but the fact I that mean, she is disrespected now, in here, I too. I mean, now that she bring it to that level, yes. Yeah. But, but no. Because, like... <laughs> it's worse the, in the comics. Okay. Oh, my... No, I, like, it's like, it's like shiver me timbers worse. You know, it's like, you know, I'm shuddering thinking of, you know, what happened to that, that poor phrase. woman. Yeah, it was like, this is like... The worst. Like, no, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think I finished the run because I just gave up after a while because I was like, yo, I get it. Uh, and yeah. I've seen a lot of this already. You've already seen it in the Civil War, so I didn't really feel like it was necessary to read. And then the disrespect for Sharon became too much. Damn. I was like, Damn. there's other comics I can read other yeah. than one that just hates this woman like this one does. Well, now that you know you have the background of Sharon <sighs> Carter, it seems like disrespect is running in the veins. It does, it but seems. Yeah. <laughs> out here in Madripoor, she is out here hustling like Kingpin. She's killing fools left and right like Black Widow. She's is what you say, she's saving no fools. What's that? What's that? Saving ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Sparing no fools. Sparing no fools or whatever yeah, that, that yeah. phrase goes. I've heard you say it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's a she, good one. She saves Zemo, saves Zam, saves Bucky multiple times, multiple times. And she single-handedly takes out like 15 armed people. Man. She has nobody backing her up. She out here running the streets of the world by herself. And she she expresses that what she had did in the past to help them, how she stole Cap Shield and even the wings for Falcon when they were still on the run. And she's still out here on the run. And that's why I'm saying, once again, where is like where are these people insurance space? Like Steve Rogers went back in time and he couldn't have set the stage for niggas. I mean, my man is straight up going back to knock up her great aunt. Oh. And it's like, you know, but while I do that, you know, figure it out, baby. I yeah. got other things to do. Yeah. Well, also, I forgot one point about to make about Shannon. Also in the comments, she's known as Agent 13. Yes. And 13 is a very unlucky number. So maybe this is just <laughs> part of her DNA. She's just pretty unlucky. I don't know. <laughs> I never thought Poor of it woman. like that. You know what I'm saying? I was reading this topic and I just, like, I was like, oh, die. You know, it was just like, you know, oh, I could it. not finish it. Throw it over my got shoulder it. and keep walking forward. And is this show like all about everybody white having a black psychic? Wow. At, at the end, when Sharon gets in the car, she got the, uh, an assistant. A, a black a, Alfred. A you black know? Alfred. I don't know who yeah. she is. She got a black psychic too, but whatever. Anyways, also. <laughs> also at least her hairline <laughs> is good. Yes. Yes. Within the women do the work theme, we also have Carly Morgenthau. And she goes off the deep end in this mm-hmm. episode. Now, you could say that it. <laughs> I have to question whether this is logical. <laughs> premeditated, not really. Well, no, it was definitely to... premeditated, but was it? Is it logical for? And we'll we'll explain why specifically. So she says this this phrase. She says after she and I after she didn't. First of all, when they when they stole the food from the GRC like uh, supply depot or whatever, mm-hmm. she didn't get back in her car. He and her homeboy was like, "Oh, you're not going back." I already knew what was about to happen. I'm like, "She, that's a car bomb in that bitch." Yeah. 
Yep. The thing blows up. The she clearly she uh, assumingly she she kills like all twenty soldiers that are in there. Mm. And when her homeboy questions her about it, she says, "This is the only language these people understands." She's referring to the language of violence. Is it so? Okay, she was referring to the language of violence, which is actually right parallel with her male counterpart in the comics, Carl Morgenthau. Because that's literally what he says. He goes, violence is the only thing these people understand. And that's his motive and mantra as he moves forward in life. She's adopting that as well. And her man's, his name is actually Dovich. And he even is like, he's clutching his pearls. Like, damn, like, I didn't know we was doing all that. Like, you said that we was doing it for the people, but I didn't know we was really terrorist, terrorists like that. <laughs> now, here's my question. Terrorist, terrorist. They're terrorists, terrorists. So here's yeah. my question. Even though, like I said, this is technically what that this character is representative and says in the comics, and, and this is happening in the, in the show, is this another case of the Killmonger effect? Mm. Now, Ben, I mean, you came, and I'm, or Killmongering is what you call it. This, this, you talked about it a lot, where you, where you express how when villains or antagonists have either relatable points or approaches, and Rather than have to fight the audience on the audience, whether they're gonna like like stick with the with the villain, mm-hmm. the writers basically jettison that alliance by having that villain or antagonist do something heinous. And yeah, and Is you pointed it? me to a thread on Twitter where somebody else was pointing out the same effect, and I responded yeah. to them that yeah, I've been calling it the Killmonger effect because in Black Panther, the film Killmonger is so relatable. And then he suddenly shoots his girlfriend and chokes out some grandmas in the herb garden. And you're right. like, okay, this drives the villain. F it. Right. You know, and it, but it takes yeah. that. Otherwise, yeah, you know. And Otherwise, you might be on their side. Cause we, we, and we've had discussions where we're like, you know, the Flag Smashers aren't that bad. Yes, They're actually making valid points. What I say and why I think Black Panther is one of the better written films is because it's also clear, if you're really paying attention, that the Kia's way is in the middle of both Killmonger and Black Panther. And she's been going that way since before. She's been using Wakanda to help out the rest of the world. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So it didn't really need all of that. It didn't a need bookie, Killmonger. Bookie, yeah, a bookie, bookie, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't need the Killmongering. But they were like, well, let's make sure the audience understands this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes me feel stupid. Like it makes me feel like you think I'm stupid. Like I gotta make sure you understand this is the bad guy, but also why can't it be to stay nuanced? Is that that, not enough? And that's one of my problems, right? Because I don't feel like the nuance is applied on both. I don't feel like the killmongering then is applied on both sides, right? Right. Because that's the problem with I had with Wandavision, where Scarlet Witch is, you know, is meant to feel people are meant to feel sympathy for this woman. You know, and that's bug to me because she, to me, was clearly the one of the most evil characters of the series, if not the whole entire MCU. Now, mm. in this episode alone, right? Let me look to my notes here because I have some notes on this. Yeah, subject. very valid ones too. Yes, the, all right. We have some evil. You know, I'm quote, putting these quote. in, yeah, quote unquote actions. Because I don't like to even good and evil are concepts, and it's always a very relative concept, right? And it's also, you don't know what your good action, you know, your so-called good action. You might save a little kid from getting hit in the street by a car. That little kid grows up to be a mass murderer. Oh, you know, you could have, <laughs> damn it, should have let him get hit maybe. No, you know, but that's what I'm saying. You don't really know what your actions are, good or evil. That's all relatives. So, but evil actions are the heroes this episode. 
So Sam Frank, and Bucky. And, Sam and, and Bucky are, are at least the protagonist because that's something else people are going to understand, right? Your protagonist and your antagonist in a story may not be heroes or villains. Like in uh, Infinity War, Thanos is the antagonist. Thanos, I mean, the protagonist. Thanos has a goal to achieve. Get all the rings and snap his fingers. I mean, get all the stones and snap his fingers. <laughs> he achieves his goal by beating the antagonist, the Avengers, right? Because Thanos goes on a mission. He moves the plot. That's what the protagonist does. It's not about whether or not you agree with their actions. It's so just you're they move the that plot. Thanos mm-hmm. is the protagonist of Infinity War. Yes. The movie is centered from his point of view. Okay. Like, you know, it's following him. It's about his journey to get these stones and to snap his fingers. The antagonist, that's why I love Infinity War so much, because all by itself, it's a complete film, right? It doesn't even need a sequel. Your protagonist achieved his goal. He snapped his fingers and eliminated half the universe, and he did what he said he was to do after that. He's going to sit down and be thanked by a grateful universe. Well, I think that's interesting because because my mind was flipped when you said that because Mm. I'm I'm stuck on the the actions of that person as opposed to how it's written. How it affects the story. That's what people that's what people don't that's something a lot of people don't understand. Protagonist just means you start the story and whatever actions you know you take move the story one way or another. And the antagonists are people who try and get in the way of your goal. So it's not synonymous with bad and good. Not at all. It has mm. nothing to do with it. Um, another classic example, Die Hard. And I think even I think this is when I figured this out. It's like the writers of Infinity War said this clearly. They were like, you know, we wrote from the perspective of Thanos for the first one. And then the second one's written from the perspective of the Avengers. Mm, but, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. But another classic one is Die Hard. Die Hard, the first film especially, is written from the perspective of Hans Gruber, the terrorist, who is trying to rip off the Nakatomi Plaza and get this money in his tape. He He's stopped by, you know, the antagonist, Bruce Willis. But he's the one who sets everything in motion. Bruce Willis just happens to be there. Damn. You know what I mean? So what are these so-called, quote-unquote, evil actions of the heroes? Yeah, in, back in to that. Episode now, that we, three. Yeah, now that we've broken that down for a few minutes. Um, let's see. They, Bucky and Sam are the protagonists, at least, free a criminal from jail, a mastermind criminal. They cause a prison riot. During Damn. the prison riot, we see at least two people get injured by this fight. Plus, that's going to lead to other things because he gave a note where he said, man, I'm, your man's trying to kill you later. Can't really explain that away. I really don't understand <laughs> how Bucky was being led through the open court of the prison, you know, but I'll let that slide. That never happens, but, you know, whatever. Um, they invade a foreign country, Madripoor, cause millions of dollars in damage, are at the very least accessories to murder, right. if not murder themselves, because they definitely shoot a few people. Well, in their defense, Madripoor is fairly lawless. It's kind of the, that the does wild, not, wild west. It, so you know, that does not do. exclude them from having, I'm sure they have fairly lawless, does not mean the country does not have laws of its own. And, you went above and beyond what, you know, a criminal nation is still doing. They still don't want their shit blown up. You know, they criminal activity still got money. Like, Black Dynamite, I <laughs> sell said, drugs <laughs> in the community. You said criminals got to eat too, right? Yeah, man, man. You know, I, I got to still sell this heroin just to make ends meet. <laughs> like, I got on, kids. Man. I got so many Black Dynamite quotes, folks. We could do this all day. Um, Yes. And last but not least, they are trafficking. Um, I don't know what you call flying around in a private jet sipping Sam Pizzle with a criminal is, <laughs> but they did that. 
You know, they up in the fire. Ooh, look at us. You know, and every criminal coming. on the run because yeah, he's, he's on wanted the run. now. Partying with, you know, I mean, he's wanted by multiple nations at this point, you know? Yeah. Like worldwide, FBI, everybody's, you know, three-letter organization, KGB, whatever you want. <laughs> don't matter. He's in their top five. And they just rolling around at the club with my man doing it up. You know, like these dudes make a lot of choices that could be considered very criminal or heinous from a certain point of view. But we like them because they're our heroes, you know? And Which, they're positioned in that way when they're you watch positioned the story. in mm-hmm. that way. Position, which is also something that a song choice relates to in this episode. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In the women do Ooh. the work theme, we also mm-hmm. have to have to mention Io, the legendary Io who appears at the very end of this episode, which was an incredible surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Io is played by the actress Florence Kasumba, who I've actually interviewed her a few years yep. back. Uh, we have that on our For All Nerds TV YouTube channel. If you want to take a look at that, Florence is in just just she's just such has such great energy, and she's just a mm. cool person. Just period. Just forget everything else she can do and all the amazing skills and all the stuff she has. She's just just a, a dope person. But yes, though we don't get to see her in action, we already know what she is about. We've seen Black Panther. She's a Dora Milachey member. You see how she pulled up on Black Widow. The whole mover you will be moved situation. Um, and she's back. She's here to, as I presume, to take down Zemo because as we all seem to forget, Zemo is still responsible for the death of King T'Chaka. And they remind you this episode, just in case you did forget. They're like, don't forget, Zemo killed this man's daddy. Yeah, like I know you, you know, Baron on the beat dancing is cute, but uh, he's also responsible for putting in motion a lot of this bullshit. And, you know, by when he killed King T'Chaka, a lot of other people too. A lot of people in the UN, the UN situation, bro. Yeah, that was rough. Like, you know, he's a murderer. Yeah. I, it was so funny the way Io gets revealed because when Bucky, if you watch, I had to watch a scene a couple times to notice, but Bucky looks down at the ground as they walk into the cafe mm-hmm. or wherever they're building they're walking to. Yep. He looks down at the ground real quick and then just he says he plays it so fucking smooth, number one. And he oh, I'll meet up with y'all and then he picks up the bead. And at first I didn't realize what it was. Then oh, right away. The, when he got to the second bead, I was like, what is that writing? Oh my God, that's a Kamoyo yeah. bead. I like flips out. I actually own a pair. I don't have it with me right now. I actually own a pair or or uh I don't know if you call it a pair, but I actually own some real life Kamoya bees and they're pretty mm-hmm. heavy. They were given as a gift during that whole Black Panther stuff that we did ba- back then. Crown Wakanda, what up? And it, it, I was just, I immediately got in my field because I'm like, oh my God, Black Panther stuff. Oh my God. Like it started transporting me back to 2018. I, even at that point, I paused it and I turned on Black Panther on Disney Plus because I was trying to see some other scenes and I felt the emotions start welling up in me. I was like, I, I felt a little bit transported back to where I was. Could also be all the TikToks I've been watching of all the, the black TikTokers talking about how they felt about Black Panther. But it was just, oh man, it was such a nice, nice, like, I don't know, intro to throw her back in there and and make that next connection. Mm. No, I loved it. As soon as I saw the beat, I was like, wait, Wakanda? I think that's what I said as I was watching it. I was like, Wakanda? <laughs> <laughs> I just immediately, you know, or immediately <laughs> threw it off immediately. You fell right like, back Wakanda, into it. You know? <laughs> Yo. Yeah, and then, you know, to see her, it was just so great. But, you know, we've been talking about this hut in Wakanda, you know, oh, and God, you know, she go. came here and said, I'm here for Zemo. 
But we all know that she was really there for her man. That's why she had to say that. Girl, you know, she, she had to be- not. Oh my god, she was. Aya was not in the hut. Like, we're not doing that. No, I. No. I won't. Personally, people have suggested this to me. I no, no. no. I don't want that. No, I no. don't want that. Number one, number two. If you want to be all, that's not canon. It's because in the comics, she has a relationship with another Dora Milchay member called Anika. Yes, and she they have one of the and they dopest. can just keep that. They don't need to turn it to the White Wolf. No, because they have a dope relationship. They get these ill suits and costumes. Yeah. It's what are fire. their names that they turn? Uh, the, the night. The night the something. Night yeah, you got to look that one. I, I forgot yeah. that one right now. But yeah, yeah. Bucky was definitely in that help with somebody, but it was not um, Argo or Io. But what what I loved is in that scene, which also helps bring you back, is when she's revealed Okoye's music from the club scene in what were they in Korea when she's whipping around with the oh the choo choo choo. Yep, that the, kicks the, the, the in. The Dora music. Yes. And that's what I'm saying, where I fell back into like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm sitting in the theaters crying, bawling my face yes. off, watching Black Panther. Yeah, because the music kicked in, so it's just bringing you back. And like I said, the music was so well done in this episode, because they keep using people's themes like that to bring you back to these moments. So mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah, and like you said, I just this particular episode was very musical in general. Like, mm-hmm. it just so much more than we've seen before, and mm. it was... And it just elicited so many different types of emotions. Yep. So again, just very well done. And and finally, in this vein about about women running things, I thought this was a, this was actually a, a funny ass line where they're running away from the Selby spot. You know, they in the streets and Sam running his as he calls it his pimp suit, mm-hmm. and he complains about not being able to run in heels. And mm-hmm. this is absolutely hilarious because when you think of all these types of action scenes and movies and stuff, women are often put in ridiculous outfits. And wearing heels, and they're told to play this role, and they do it flawlessly. And and, and it's stuff that, like, what is that scene? It's like, oh, basically all of Jurassic Park, the, the yeah. last Jurassic Park, where Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard or whatever, she's running around these hills. And it's like, bro, you're getting chased by T-Rexes and shit, bro. Like, you're not running in heels. And like, like, like it's absolutely stupid. I thought it was funny because if you also think about it in... That that scene, all that magic war stuff, just reminded me of the the scenes, the fight scenes in Black Panther, specifically when they were in Busan in South Korea. Like the color scheme, the approach was very similar. And if if you want to switch out, especially the way they were dressed, if you want to switch out Sam for Nakia, Nakia took her shoes off. Yep. She said, "Fuck that shit," and she went to work. So yeah. I, you know, again, I just thought it was just funny. Like you have men complaining about stuff that women have to just do and just have to deal with. Like, he's worried about heels and shit. Meanwhile, Sharon is over here fucking have 63 KOs in a row and shit. Like, it's it's just wild to me. Okay, since we're talking about Madripoor and how it reminded you of Korea, it also very much reminded me, the aesthetic, at least for the um, show, reminded me of, like, Blade Runner, of um, Final Fantasy, especially the remake I just played when they run it through the city, you know, on the yeah. lower shit with all the... You know, all the neon and everything. When they get to that one area and it's all turned to neon, everything is all mm-hmm. they glow bright. Yeah, so it's all that feel. So I loved all that, too. Absolutely. Our next theme is America the Brute. I think this is really the most important theme of the episode. This is super duper important because mm-hmm. there's lots of indictments. There's lots of conversations and debates within this episode about this. Yep. Now, right away at the beginning... 
you see this really, for me, it was a little off-putting, but this off-putting PSA that the Global Repatriation Council is playing, uh, and, and they're like, oh, we're going to get you back to your family, and oh, I know you need help for the blip. So they try to make like they're your friend. And as soon as the PSA is over, the first thing you see is this paddy wagon that says GRC, but it says police, like yeah. it's in German. And you see... The door flies open and John Walker walks him and his his Negro storming that bitch like the fucking Gestapo. Wow, and I'm like, him and what his Negro? This? Wow. Yes, him and his Negro. I told you I do not like Lamar and we'll explain why. Wow. As, as I already did last episode, but I'm going to keep going. Anyway, they walk in. They, 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 I just don't, I, I didn't like their energy. I didn't like that energy. And it's just mm. like, well, who the fuck is you? And I know me, I, you know, they would have arrested me quick because i that's the first thing i'm saying who the fuck is you running up in my store and of course the the cafe owner who had previously helped carly and them he stood up for himself he was just like don't fuck up my shit what do y'all want this is my store i'm not saying anything to you and also you have no rights and he even when when he's talking in german and 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 the way john walker's like lamar come translate this shit like like he's this fucking this is what i'm talking about anyway come translate this shit i don't want to learn german he translates and, and, or he doesn't translate, but you see it. If you look at the uh, closed caption, um, the shop owner says, you American have become brutes. Mm. And it's just like, have we become, have you already been that? What's going on? Uh, yeah. I think the shop owner a little late. Like this man just <laughs> catching up. Like, Fuck man. Your knowledge of American history is pretty short right there. <laughs> Also, a very important line in this in this scene is when John says, "You don't know who I am." Another you know? reason why I don't like that nigga. I can't, ooh, I wake up every day saying, "Yo, I don't." This is why I also don't like him. Well, this I don't is like very the way important. His hair curls to the left. I don't fuck mm, with it. Mm. Nope. Because I mean, it's better than that other man's lineup. But we'll get to that too. But. This is very important right here because Captain America, the original Steve Rogers, was always about, you know, he had very simple models. He stands up to bullies. I can do this all day. You know, he was not about that. It wasn't about the suit. You know, he was trying to live up to the suit, just like Sam is trying to live up to the suit, yeah. while John feels like he deserves the suit. Yeah. And also just that line about America, you have become brutes. It's because people are used to the way that Steve has approached things. True. They're used to his energy. And yep. yeah, he may do do violent things and this and that, but it's just it don't feel it just feels different. It comes off different. At the same time, my man spit in this man's face. You know, so like He deserved it. All right, well, you know. It's what I mean, he deserves. Well, he deserves a little shake-up after that. You know, you spit in my face, I'm, I'm shaking you up. Okay, too. yeah, if you if you, if you you assault somebody, that's all right. But my yeah. thing is, he was a, the shop owner was was waiting for the smoke. He was ready for the smoke. He didn't give a damn. Yeah, but the shop owner was also associated with terrorists who blew up a building later on that day and killed 20 people. Like, that's what I'm saying. People, it, once again, these, you know, morality for everyone on this show is a wavering you know it's bending and breaking yeah. it's moving you but know, isn't that a, real life too yes it is morality is not i, I mean I, I don't have anything to assimilate to, to compare it to but it's not as you say it bends mm-hmm. and and yeah. there there are there are nuances there are occasions where for some people it breaks completely yeah and it just and then depends on the situation it depends on the situation and 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 what you're pushed to and what you're capable of really mm-hmm. yeah and also, just this idea of like America and all this other stuff, and you have Zemo pretty much indicting everything about the American. Wait, way. can we go back to that scene real quick? Because I yeah. do have to ask this question. Yeah. Like, 
you know, Cap comes in, helmet. Every member of the Gestapo police behind him, helmet. Lamar Hostins, no helmet. Is it the lineup? It's the ass lineup because his lineup is, ter- I mean, can't even call that a lineup. Like, my man just has no lineup. His ter- hair is terrible. I said his hair is terrible. His hair is terrible. Is that what's protecting him from gunfire? Maybe. Back to Zemo. Put it out to twitch.tv slash for all nerds in the chat. Answer me. Is it the lineup that's saving this oh man's life? I want to know. I know the chat's going off right now. Yeah. Back to Zemo. Another Again, another clever phrase mm. or, or clever conversation he has when he is expressing, like, like, like they're, remember, they're supposed to be dressed up and acting like they're somebody else. So Bucky's supposed to be back to his Winter Soldier self, Zemo, Zemo. But Sam needs a cover as well, right? So mm-hmm. Zemo chooses what was really the most logical one. He makes him to this guy called Conrad Mack, a.k.a. Smiling Tiger. And that's actually a real character from the comics that just comes, it's completely different from the way that, that he's, he's expressed here. But in the show, he is, he's well-dressed. Uh, um, according to Zemo, he's African man. He's sharp, all this other stuff. And he's, he's one of the Madripoor goons that be coming through. Mm-hmm. So as they're walking on the bridge towards Madripoor, Sam complains. And Sam been complaining a lot this episode, but Sam complains is like, you know, why do I got this stupid outfit on? People gonna think I'm a pimp. Mm-hmm. And then Zemo says, only an American would assume a fashion forward black man looks like a pimp. Oh, bars. Yeah. And that's pretty bars, pretty much bars, because it's just like, damn. Like, you know how they say, they try to say Americans are uncultured swine. Like, we don't know anything. And, and it just reminds you, like, with John. Come in, Lemar, and go translate this nigga's speech. Like, it's just like. Damn it. You know what? Um, I told somebody about your Mammy WandaVision theory this week, and they said yeah. they hated you because you have now ruined WandaVision for them forever. And <laughs> no, they can I never. Didn't. They can never. Well, look, if, if you got ruined off of that, I don't know what to tell you. Well, no, I they, still they, love they, WandaVision. They, they was already on the side of, you know, that Wanda was a monster and all that, but that was just okay. a bridge too far for them. It's the so truth. You we tell pointed, the truth on this show. Yeah, you pointing that part out right there just really, you know, hurt me. Like, you know. It, it is. But also, that line is also a double entendre. And Ben, mm. I mean, I would like you to explain why about that, that pimp line. Why is that a double entendre? Oh, okay. Yes. That pimp line is a double entendre because Sam Wilson has a very complicated history in the comic books, part of which involves him having false memories implanted into his brain. Now, whether or not these false memories and persona and actually whole persona are the Sam Wilson that we know and love, or Snap Wilson, the pimp, is may is kind of unclear up until recently. Wait, recently, so Snap Wilson is a real thing. Yes. Okay. Basically, Sam at one point, uh, the Red Stroll reveals to him that he injected these memories that we know, like the Sam Wilson, we know guy who's friend of Captain America and all that. He like made that whole, you know, stuff up and put it into his head. And in reality, in the comics and in in reality, Sam is a character named snap Wilson, a street pimp. Like they, okay. So what's even sadder about this is Sam grapples with this for like the next 30 years. What? Am I a pimp? Or am I, you know, the social worker that I thought I was? You know, it's like, like, you know, which of my memories are true? Years, it's, like, it's like total recall because comics take forever and people are assholes. You know, mm-hmm. the two reasons. 
So Sam, like literally, like, it was not until a very recent story, like in the last 10 years, where Sam is like, no, I am Sam Wilson. That Snap Wilson is some bullshit he made up. Okay. But yes, for 30 years, Sam wasn't sure whether he was a pimp or a social Did they draw Sam worker. like a pimp? Did they? I mean, my man is seen with women on the street. You know, he got the smooth. You know, it's like, I, it is oh a Google God. this, Google it, y'all, because y'all have to read these panels. They're, they'll come right up and they are just comedy. Oh, my God. Wow. It's so bad. Did not yeah. know that. Oh, it's so bad. And that's not the only one. A Blade was a jazz trumpeter at one point, you know? Because why not? All these secondary side jobs and all this stuff. Okay, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, you the, see how niggas don't got money, so everybody needs a second job. Everybody running lift and shit like that. So the, hey, the, you know, the famous Luke Cage, you know, getting his powers while in prison. You know, right, right. Black people just cannot, you know, just can't be, you know, getting yeah. bit by a radio at the spider or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Zemo also says when this is when they're on his private jet, his PJ, he says the problem with America's super soldiers and and. Mm people like them, is that we put them on pedestals. They become symbols, icons, and then we forget about their flaws. Mm. And Bars. that's also, isn't that also talking about the show itself? It's talking a lot about what you yourself are saying, where the the morality of even us as watchers is getting bent out of shape because yep. we're all like, oh, I like him. He's he's cool. He's funny or she's funny or this and that. But it's also like, but that person also killed XYZ people. So and that and that's the part where you say, you say you forget about their flaws. Mm-hmm. And then he turns to Bucky and says, remember when y'all ass was in Germany and you had to deal with the mad icon? He was talking about Hitler. Yeah, and also Stroll. More and so Red, Red Stroll. Stroll. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. said, we don't want people like the Red Stroll going around. Yeah. And also that goes back to what he said to Captain America when he finally met Steve Rogers. He's like, oh, look at your eyes. You have flecks of green in them. Look at the flaw. You know, he couldn't believe it because in his mind, Steve was this perfect symbol. And so when he finally sees the human, but what he doesn't realize, what Sam doesn't realize, like we said before, is that these that Steve is so human. That's what made him be able to become uh, Captain America. And it's something that people mistake about him and what Marvel's gotten so right about him and what DC has failed recently to get, at least in the movies, about Superman. Is that Superman, just like Steve, is not all the power he has. It's the fact that he is just at his core is so human and believes in humanity so much and the idea of humanity at their best. So he just wants to see the best out of people. You know, it's not a boy scout mentality. Like we don't think of Captain America as any boy scout in the MCU, nope. Nope, but I don't. he still has the mentality that Superman should have, you know, stand up to the bully. You know, I can do this all day, you know, everybody around me, you know, come on, we're a team, you know, like when it's me, and then, okay, if there ain't no team and Thanos and the world is going to end, I strap on the shield and let's go. Right. You it's know interesting what I mean? you make that that, that comparison because Superman feels like a fed so much more. But he's than, not. Than, Superman is like one of the yeah, greatest. He, I'm just like, saying the way he feels. He feels so yeah. much more like a fed than Sam, even though, not Sammy, not Sam, but Steve. See, Rogers, mm. where technically, Steve technically is a fed. Steve technically is a fed while Superman is technically wow. the illegal alien. You know what I mean? But Ugh. Superman, and that's the thing, Superman to me is, and that's why I hate when people say, oh, he's a Boy Scout, he's this, he's he that. Is a no. Boy <laughs> but he's not, because he's Superman not, will yeah. deal with you when it, you know, and it has, and for the comments, this is consistent over his whole run. He will deal with you when necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he just knows his power, so he's never going to do that until someone has the power, like Dark Side, 
Mongol, when they show up, it's like, oh, no, because y'all will do something to my earth and my humanity and the people I love. So I will deal with y'all. It ain't about no, you know, I never got that. You know, he's just about belief and about like, you know, humanity at his greatness. It's basically the Jesus thing. That's why. But that's what Zack Snyder gets wrong. You can't make him do the Jesus pose. He has to be Jesus. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about Zack Snyder anymore. But also just closing this one out. Sharon talks about hero hypocrisy. And I'm calling that hero hypocrisy. But that, that mm. she mentions the stars and stripes bullshit. The fact yep. that it's really all a lie. Because at the end of the day, mm. look how she was treated. She is. And I mean, there's other examples of that. Look at Isaiah. Like these people who were put out there to protect and do this and, and, and be covert and all this stuff. And then America basically disavows you, the government anyway, disavows you and got nothing for you at the end of the day. Mm. Facts. And also, finally, that conversation around what the shield represents, meaning the, the Captain America shield, but also that that symbolic nature of America's might and all that stuff. And Sam says, how many people have to get steamrolled to make way for this hunk of metal? And Bucky retorts, that hunk of metal saved a lot of lives. And they go a little back and forth right there, but that shows you that dichotomy of what different things mean to different people. Like someone... In America, might see the shield and think, oh, that's that's someone here to save the day and help me. And someone else in another country might be like, that is my oppressor. Yeah, facts. Anybody who is down with, uh, you know, Hydra is like, yo, F that shield. Like, you know, and Hydra seems villainous to us, but that's because we won. You know, they're just people, you know, like, as we've seen, shield has not been perfect. You know, no, none of these characters are perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not even like, because they've actually disassociated, you know, Hydra from, you know, Hitler. So it ain't like you can even say, well, you know, they were down with, you know, what Hitler was doing. They were just really down with, I don't know, trying to get the Cosmic Cube and stuff like power. But sounds kind of American to me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like Tony Stark, but, you know, everybody loves Stark because he's witty. Yeah. And cute, you know, Red Skull looks like a Red Skull. Like, he's the villain, you know. <laughs> yeah. Pretty obvious. I loved, oh my God, I thought, that was my thing. I thought uh dude playing Red Skull was so funny and played it with such style in that uh, first, first Avenger. Like, he was great. I would have followed that dude. You mean, you mean Hugo Weaving? Yes. Oh my yeah. God. When, Hugo when he's Weaving aim- is amazing. When he's aiming the laser at dudes and he's and he misses the one time and he's like, oh. You know, and he re-aims and catches him on the second time. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, when he gets him to say, oh, man, he's so good. Finishing oh. up in the themes of the episode, I just want to note that tagline of the GRC, the mm. Global Repatriation Council, that says reset, restore, rebuild. We see mm-hmm. that in the PSA commercial in the beginning. We also see that on posters all over the world whenever they're in particularly like those um, those immigrants those immigrant camps or wherever they, whatever they're calling it. Mm-hmm. The, and I, I just thought it was interesting how different people are, are approaching the idea of reset, restore and rebuild. When, when Dr. Nagel, who actually explains that he was blipped when he returns from the blip, he continues his work that he, he had previously commissioned for the, well, the CIA commission previously. Yeah. And he's now doing this work for the power broker and magic board. The work is the recreation of the super soldier serum. So, you know, he's coming back, he's resetting, he's restoring, he's rebuilding his work. You see Zemo 
On the other side, he kills Dr. Nagel. No one told him to do this shit, but he feels like he has to finish his job of ending any ties or, or approaches to the super soldier, uh, super soldier program. He, he, his whole thing was to end that whole bullshit because he doesn't want a team created that's similar to Avengers. And the Avengers are responsible for the death of his wife and kids. So he doesn't want... This, and his country. And his country. And he doesn't want this shit to keep continuing. You even see Carly and the Flag Smashers. Those are also potentially people who've returned from the blip who are trying to, in their case, they're trying to restore unity among people after everyone's been displaced. So they're trying to rebuild something totally different than what the GRC and the rest of the world may be trying to do. And I think they're, uh, Carly and them actually are non-blippers. That's they're non-blippers, right. They want the world they talk, to... Yeah. They talk a lot about what about the people who were still there? How, yeah, how, that's what they how went How do they through. live? Right, yeah, right, right. They were there and they liked it the way it was. And now they're like, no, the people are back and they're coming back to power. Right. Like the Avengers. Yeah. And the last thing you had to use this funny question you put, you said no racism moment of the week. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we've been having our racism moments of the week. We had the bank, you know, we had... um. The Do cops. we have to have a racism moment of the week in this show? I'm wondering, you know, I'm ho- I'm glad we didn't. You know, even though Sam did come off kind of slow in this episode, like my man didn't know about art, you know, just a lot of little things. I was like, come on, Sam, like, do better, bro. But then again, Sam was blipped out of existence for five years, you know, and was a military dude before that. So, yeah, you know, forgivable. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of things to say in the questions that need answers questions. portion. Questions. I got questions. So, as I mentioned with the GRC, they they kind of approach them like they're trying to be like they UNICEF or something. I don't potential, I don't particularly trust them. No. Nah. They in that commercial it says another line of helping you navigate changes to society, laws, and borders. Mm. And remember, Zemo mentioned how towards the end how after the Sokovia crisis, the neighboring countries particularly like they cannibalized the land. They they basically said, okay, well, this my country now. Um, if, well, didn't that happen like with Russia and Crimea like last year or yes. the year before and now Sokovia doesn't even exist anymore at least not as a standalone nation Mm-mm. and you're saying that means something else yes I am folks <laughs> and time for my Mephisto moment of the week <laughs> where uh, Sokovia is a fictional Eastern European country another fictional Eastern European country is the one and only Latveria home to Dr. Doom mm. Now, I thought of this, and a lot of other people, shout out to Screen Crusher, Screen Crush and Ryan Carey, I think it is over there, who was talking about not only are they both Eastern European countries, Sokovia was destroyed and left behind in the destruction was a large amount of vibranium, as in tons of it. Oh. Hmm. Mm. So if a... Eastern European country absorbs Sokovia's land. Wouldn't that be a great place to get some metal to build armor or some doom bots or ah. futuristic weapons? Anything else of that nature. So I'm thinking this might be our first hint at, you know, Doctor Doom and Latveria. I mean, the, the show does take place in Eastern Europe most of the time. So. Yeah. I think this is just that first seeding, you know, just that little bit you hear now, and that's probably all we get of it. If this means anything, I don't think we hear any more of it from the rest of the series. The other reason why I say I don't like or trust the GRC is because this other line in this commercial, they say, helping you get back to the way things were. First of all, that's complete doublespeak. Mm. Because 
literally a moment ago, they're talking about trying to help people navigate changes mm-hmm. and how to deal with the world as it is now. But then they turn around and say, well, we're going to help you get back to the old ways. There is no old ways, at least nah. not for the typical person, not unless you're Carly Morgenthau and you stole Super Soldier Serum and you're going all at it. Like for the average person, there is no going back. There, we, we talk about that all the time when we think of scenarios within the blip. What if you're married or this and that and the person moves on and you come back, then what? What well, if that person mm-hmm. moved on and had a whole ass family and you, you pop back up? Now what's, what's supposed to happen? Shit can't go back the way it is. It's impossible when, again, those old ways or even the places or the constructs that you're in don't even exist anymore. And I said immigrant camp, I meant refugee camp. Like, that's why you have these places where people are completely displaced. They have nowhere to go. So that that bit of doublespeak within this own PSA, I was just like, no, there's no way. Mm-mm. Yeah, that made no sense. And then one, the last question I had in this section, how exactly does, does Zemo's family get their money? Now, remember, <laughs> so when they, when they get Zemo out and they walk in on a tarmac to his private jet, Sam says, oh, well, you rich, rich. And Zemo's like, I'm a baron, duh. In the <laughs> comics, Zemo's a Nazi. Yeah, and, straight up. you know, Nazis be stealing shit and all this stuff. Now, in the, earlier in the episode, you see Zemo in, I just assume it's like one of his underground bunkers or some shit. You see he has all of these old-timey cars that look like they worth some money. And it's the type of cars that would have been positioned in that Red Skull era mm-hmm. that gets passed down after generation that are typically yeah. stolen goods. I don't. I'm, I don't so, think so. I, I, they're not gonna go with Nazis. One. No, Marvel they're not, not. But I'm like, how did they get their money? Imperialism. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you? How else do old white money get their money? Stealing it from you know brown people around the world. Mm. Put their foot on the nets of brown people. That's how they get it. Killmonger said so. Yeah. I mean, where you think this came from? <laughs> think your people. <laughs> He didn't really shake his head when he said it, but you know, you know, inside he was like, "You think yo, you know, he wanted to shake his neck at her real quick, like you know, won't your people stole this? He wanted to give her the, he wanted to give her the Daniel side eye. To- oh my god, oh, the, the, the Daniel yeah. Kaluuya side. He had the Daniel Kaluuya. To- yo, you think yo people? <laughs> okay, let's go into the characters. We. The, the morality, the bent morality when it comes to Zemo, man, and what he represents mm. and what he really is. And, the, and again, was that maybe a good idea to spring in? Probably not, because the not nigga don't all. listen. Okay? No. Right at the very beginning, Sam and Bucky tell him, do not make a move without the permission. What does that nigga do a day later or whatever the time period is? Make he kills moves. Dr. Nagel without their permission. He makes several moves without their permission. I'm just like, as soon as they he showed up, I'm like, y'all know y'all can't control him, right? Nope. Mm-mm. No. And like, I I know, I know it's a time of desperation. It's just like, this is better than nothing. But it's also like, y'all do know y'all truly can't trust this man. Um, I mean, on that note, Zemo's plan is to kill Bucky, right? Like, it's a super soldier at the very end. It has to end with that, right? You know? You Um, think, you think that at the end of the day, he's still, because remember, he looks at Bucky when, 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 you know, he tries to, he, first of all, when he, when Bucky first meet up with him at the jail, he tries to say those, the code words to try to mm-hmm. activate the programming. And Bucky's like, nah, fam, I don't do that no more. That's not me. And, and Zemo was like, yeah, but I still wanted to see how, how, how you felt about it. And mm-hmm. you can see Bucky seeming unnerved about it, like something ain't right. And even as, as Zemo gets close to staring at him, he goes, I still see a little bit in you. He almost has to see a little bitch still in you. Like, that's no, not the way a Zemo that. looked little, at him. A he little like, monster still yeah, in you. Yeah, I know what he meant. I was just making yeah. a joke. But yes, he 
did that. He gave him that look like, you know, I still feel like it's a little bit of that winter soldier still up in you. Mm. And that's why I'm just like, to your point, does he does he really feel like, you know, at the end of the day, he really wants to kill Bucky? Got you know, kill Bucky, kill Bill. Um, Ooh. and like in the fight, he tells Sam, see how easily he slips back into the old ways. So he's like, Look, this dude is a monster still, you know? Yeah. No matter what. And like Falcon, like Sam says in the ship when they're talking about trouble, man. He's out of line, but he's right. And that's pretty much Zemo's whole, you know, modus operandi. Is that how they say it? Like, you know, mm-hmm. out of line, but right. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he, I mean, he was been saying, he's been saying some wild, like, real shit this whole episode. Yeah. So. I mean, throughout his whole thing, that's the thing. He has been saying what I've been saying since the gate. Like, that's why Zemo was such a relatable villain. You know, he was one of the big villains that people first related to because he's basically right. The Marvel superheroes are completely out of control. Wherever they go, world-ending destruction follows them. Mm. Zemo does get to wear his iconic mask. Ooh! In this, episode. and he got to have his collar. Let me talk about how my man collar with the my man's. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. My man's like uh, turtleneck with the Star Trek, you know, cross stitch right there with purple. Mm-hmm. But the jacket with the snow leopard collar. Snow leopard collar, yes. But you had to peep really quickly that the jacket was lined with purple. Oh. Like, my man was stunting. He was stunting. I mean, he, he was stunting. I mean, he had the purple, you know, scully, the purple turtleneck, <laughs> the purple lining. You got to coordinate. The, the purple face mask. Purple, yeah. Ski mask, ski mask. Yeah, ski really. mask style, you know what I mean? Nigga, ransom note. <laughs> Far from handsome, but the nigga, tote. More guns than roses, foes. Anything else you want to say about Zemo before we move on? Oh, let's see. Oh, I do want to talk about Machiavelli the Don, Caluminati, how uh, Zemo is in his prison cell. I mean, Zemo is reading throughout this episode. My man yeah. is definitely about them books. He's books, a whole books. book club. Yeah, a whole book club going on. Mm-hmm. But in the prison cell, he is reading from Machiavelli, uh, not the prince, but he is reading from Machiavelli, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Tupac Shakur, for those that know or for those don't know, while he was in prison, read Machiavelli's The Prince, which espouses a lot of Machiavelli's core ideals, such as it's greater to be feared than to be loved and to project a different um, image to the public than the one you do around people. I mean, he mm-hmm. really wasn't about having friends, so more about a close circle, you know, because it wasn't about friends. Yeah. So these are a lot of things that we see Baron Zemo doing, you know, projecting yeah. a different image to the public, throwing on the mask. But the ill thing that I'm wondering, because Zemo in the comics stays dying and, you know, mysteriously coming back to life, right? Okay. So I'm wondering, will this series end with Zemo dying, you or know, faking dying, his death? Faking, faking his, his death. death as Machiavelli recommended doing? And that was a lot of the reasons why people thought Tupac had faked his death. Because he changed his name to Machiavelli, he put out this Machiavelli album, and then he's—I mean, he was actually dead by the time the album was even released. So people were like, "Oh, he's just faking his death like Machiavelli did." Right, right. So is this this theme like in the Zemo book club? Is this this theme of kind of like moving away from the idea of love and all this stuff? And, and oh, this, most and definitely is this because of what he went through again with. Mm-hmm. The the Avengers are the it's the Avengers fault that his family died at the end of the day, right? Yep. He later on in this episode he reads and I don't want to butcher this German, but he reads this book that loosely translates to like the know in love or something like that, mm-hmm. and it talks about freeing yourself from like interpersonal conflicts mm. by like 
by like navigating that space between love and, and just partnership with someone. So I'm just like, so now that you're saying that about the, you know, what he's reading in Machiavelli, I'm just like, is this mm. his whole thing? It's a cold game for my man right now. Cold man. world. You know, my, my, man, my man is straight up Machiavelli out of prison right now, you know? Illuminati, you know? Hail Mary. <laughs> uh-huh. Run, quit, see. <laughs> I could not see him rapping, but no. Please. Oh, come on. You saw that? He was like, right then he was bars in his head. That's all you think of a bars. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to murder these chats later. Mom spaghetti. No. <laughs> no. Sharon Carter, we're moving on. Sharon Carter, we talked a lot about her and her <laughs> wild background in the comics, and how we getting some of that disrespect in the MCU and this show. Mm. That being said, there is a major theory that we've yes. been thinking about. And I'm just like, is this too obvious? But who, what is the theory, Ben? You talk about it. All right. First of all, we have to ask the question. Who is the power broker, right? Right. Now, in the comics, the power broker is a character who we talked about before, gives powers to individuals, mainly like strength, endurance, all that. The super soldier serum, but even more amped up because he gave it to Super Patriot, who is the John Walker, and he basically was stronger than Cap in the book and laid into that man. Just like we've even seen, like the, you know, well, I don't know, the new super soldiers are by the strongest Cap, but basically... He gives out super soldier serum and it seems in the MCU. He or she or they, whatever. Now, there's a couple of clues to the power broker's identity in the show, right? Um, in the background, when they're Madripoor, we see a graffiti with, you know, eyes on it that says the power broker is watching, watching. you. Mm-hmm. Watching, right? Like the big brother, which mm-hmm. is like taken from 1984. Big brother is watching you. All right, now there's two, my two major theories on who the power broker is are, one, Sharon Carter, two, Arnim Zola, all right? Okay. Now, for, if you've forgotten who Arnim Zola is, Arnim Zola is a character from the comics and from the MCU. He was in Captain America, the first Avenger, and he returns in that Civil War or Winter Soldier, one of the two, that's Winter. I can never remember. But he returns in that one. But anyway, Arnim Zola is an assistant to the Red Stroll. He's a little man with glasses. He's a scientist. Oh, He's helping yeah. the Red Stroll out. Okay. Yes, he gets blown up in the first Avenger, but returns as a robot disembodied intelligence that uh, lures Captain America and Black Widow down into this bunker, reveals his plan, and then tries to blow them up with a missile. And assume is assumed blown up right there. Okay. But in the comics, once again, he's the same type of character where he was once a human, but then his brain gets transferred into computers. And normally he goes around, once again, y'all to Google it, or you need to see a picture. Hopefully we can put one up for you. Of He goes around in a robot body with his face on the chest. Like on the robot's chest is a computer screen with his face on it. And then the robot's head is just a little camera so he can see through. Okay. Yeah. So now, it's this real weird and hilarious looking thing. No. Now, so yeah. we have the idea of the power broker watching you, right? Which is yeah. Arnim Zola and his computer. There's some green screens, like the Matrix type green screens that we see for a couple shots when they're in Madripoor, like someone watching them through a security camera. Mm-hmm. And Arnim Zola, when he showed up to see. Uh, Captain America in that movie, he has the green screen on because he's on an old school computer. You know, them ancient ones that only had the green screens. 
okay. Yes. So now, that's the hint there. That's him. Now, why do you think it might be Sharon? Now, I think it might be Sharon or she is working for him. One of the two, right? It's it's pretty clear. She is either the power broker or she is working for whoever the power broker is. Because we only have three episodes left, I don't think they have time to introduce somebody new and be like, oh, this is the power broker. So that's why I'm leaning towards Arnhem or Sharon because we've already seen both of them, right? And Arnhem coming back, we're like, oh, shit, he's back and he's a power broker. But why Sharon? Sharon, as we see, is upset. Like Bucky says, oh, she's pretty terrible now. But actually, she's just like the rest of y'all, kind of just, you know, gray. But we see Sharon has the big money, the big house. Stay in, stay in Hightown in Magic Stay in Hightown, right, where all the big deal is where, you know, people power stay. Big baller brand, yeah. Big baller brand. <laughs> Trades art. Brokers art, right? Brokers. She, ha- <laughs> she has armed stolen guards. Art. Yeah, stolen art. And... That was another thing, right? Because people were talking about what uh, turns someone from, like, I guess, democratic to fascist. Yeah. And it's when you start doing things like hoarding art. When you start hoarding things and are like, oh, this is mine and not y'all's. Okay. Well, yeah. well, she and she, she has armed guards at the crib. Right. I mean, and it's funny because Sam or one of them questions her. They're like, oh, so this is just how you but essentially they say this is how you live in it. She's like, why not? Like, y'all yeah. left me out to drive. Y'all being America, y'all left me out to drive. So why can't I just live like this? Yes. And then, like we say, when she gets put up by her black butler at the end, they, you know, they tell, she's like, we have two problems to deal with now. Now. She did say two problems. Yes. The now first that, is what? Nagel. Or is it? Yeah. Being okay. Killed. Now, that's that's the question, right? Why would she lead them towards Nagel if, if Nagel is working for her? Because that, you know. That as doesn't they make get, sense. Yeah. Now, all those people who attacked them, I'm not sure about. I do not believe that was the power brokers people who attacked them. I believe no, that was... those regular people in the street because yeah, of that bounty. For, coming for that bounty, right? 1K so, Bitcoin, bro. 1K Bitcoin, mil. yeah. So everybody's coming for that ass yeah. at that point. That, they, 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 uh, what's, this, what's the movie with uh, my boy Keanu? That's, yeah, um, that uh, the mate uh, John Wick. Which John Wick, actually, yeah, that's John Wick right there. Yeah, and it was at this episode was written by the writer of John Wick. So, oh, and that's why the episode looked like that. Okay, now it makes sense. Now it all made sense. Right? Okay. Now it all comes together, and that was the thing. So you know, all these people were attacking. She kills them all when she runs in after dude has killed him. And but that's still questionable because Sharon knows that my man is about killing super soldiers and people who are down with super soldiers. So I don't know why she would send him there. But she runs in and she's like, what did you do? Like, she expected them maybe to stop him from doing that or didn't think he had to get to do it, whatever. But she was like, what did you do? You know that sign where it's like the power book is watching. Sharon was his always around. She seems to be everywhere at any time. Like, That's the other thing. Even when she, she just taps. She, she was the in the bar when Shelby. they were asking for Shelby to begin, Selby to begin yep. with, and then she she, she <laughs> dipped out real secretive. Yeah. And and but that's because I feel like why was she up in there? I don't know. But she was Somebody, up in there. Yeah. Then she was she was the sniper from hell, like mm. like you know catching everyone's catching the bad one. The, then she's in the alley right after she, she snipes. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right up finds him in the alley. She's watching. I mean, it fits, but also I feel like is that too obvious? But is it? Mm. It's not that. Yeah, I don't think it's that obvious. I mean, it'd be weirder to be Arnim Zola, you know. But then her working for Arnim Zola would be like, why? Yeah. You know. And then that I feel like that downgrades women again, and that's like what people kept doing for Wandavision, where they kept being like Agatha's working for Mephisto. Yeah. You know, it just can't be her doing it herself. 
Yeah. Well, we got to let that simmer and move on. Yeah. But yep. let's talk about Carly Morgenthau again. We find out a little bit more of her backstory besides the fact that she just randomly blows up this depot because people don't understand anything but violence. She, they talk about, like you see the, the heartfelt moment where she is on next to the deathbed of a person named Mama Donia. Um, and that is an important, or her name, her full name is Donia Madani. Mm-hmm. Um, and she could have been the mother or the, the, the originator of the Flag Smashers group. And I did notice that when they were, when Carly was essentially mourning and getting ready for her death, um, she's holding on to Donia's hand and in both of their hands at this point is a pendant that looks similar is a Hamza. Mm-hmm. And the Hamza is a, it's like a palm shaped amulet. Like it kind of, I mean, for those who are watching as you should be watching on Twitch, twitch.tv slash for all nerds. It kind of looks like this most of the time, like, like two hands overlaid on top of each other. And then it has an eye in the center and the show it's lit. It's like kind of this one hand and, and on the palm is uh, the picture of the globe uh, with Africa, really like the Africa, Europe kind of uh, part of the globe showing. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be an amulet of protection and things like that. And also when you look at, in the show anyway, you look at the show, that the, the symbol of the Flag Smasher is the, the five, you know, the outstretched fingers with the globe in the center. Mm-hmm. So it's like the prayer version of the symbol, basically. Yeah. Right. Um, and they got also, one for all occasions. Right. We find out through Wilfred Nagel, who, Nagel, who's the doctor who, who was recreating the serum, that he created 20 of these vials and that Carly stole all of them. And based on what Bucky says, Bucky says there's eight super soldiers on the loose, which which we presume that means there's 12 more vials available. Mm. And the power broker wants this shit back. And you know your man John Walker want a taste of that, boy, if he has not already had a taste. <laughs> Especially because him and his homeboy Lamar are now coloring outside the lines. Mm-hmm. Because you see John talk about how he's like, First of all, he 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 immediately is like, "Yo, Sam and 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 Bucky, they did that shit. They broke he, out. They he broke him up. Like, he he immediately. He said they did that shit. You might guilty, <laughs> guilty as fuck. You, you might you might hate on John, but he gets the job done. And I love that scene too because that was like the '80s action movie buddy cop once again. Oh, we going outside the lines on this one? You know that's bad boys. Y'all know bad boys. Like once again, oh, we gonna do it like this again? Yeah, we gonna do it like this again, Martin. <laughs> You know, it's like that every time. Like, you know, that's why they call themselves bad boys. And so I love that scene for them. Like, they got their little, oh, we're doing outside the lines now, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for those we're who... Tough. Doctor, even though we only get to see him for a brief moment, because Man, it is God. quiet for him after he does his best terrible Snyderverse version of Lex Luthor. After he Man, does I, that I was impression, with, um, Walter White. he reminded me completely of what's his face acting like Lex Luthor in... Justice League, and he and I, it was just annoying. See me, it his was like voices, a Snyderverse his cadence, version. It was annoying, but yeah, it was like a Snyderverse version of Walter White, where it's like get out of my lab, you know, <laughs> instead of like get out of my lab, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Doctor Wilfred Nagel, full name, in the comics, he and, and his actually background in the comics and then shows it's, 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 it's well, sure, but it's essentially the same. <laughs> Dr. Nagel worked under or worked under that Project Rebirth experiment, which was mm-hmm. led by Dr. Erskine. Or did I pronounce it right? Erskine? Erkson. Erkson. Yep. Uh, Dr. Erkson is responsible for the original Super Soldier Serum and created Captain America. So yes. following this Erkson's death, you know, what's his face? Nagel was tasked with create, recreating the Super Soldier Serum. 
And he is responsible for testing on Isaiah Bradley. So remember when Isaiah was talking about how Hydra and the government just kept messing with his blood and all that stuff? This man is responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And actually, Truth, Red, White, and Black is available for free to read on the Marvel app. So check that out, y'all. We were talking about this last week. That's the book where you will see Dr. Nagel and Isaiah's origin, and you can read the whole thing for free on the Marvel app. So yeah. go check that out if you have not read it yet. And like I say, Nagel is so much worse in the book. I mean, he's annoying here, but he is an evil, horrible, scummy man in that book. So check <laughs> it out. Ugh. Uh, FM. This guy, John Walker, I, I Look, don't. hate to love him. I don't love him, period. No, I can't stand his ass. Fuck John Walker, bro. Fuck it's great value, that, Captain that, America. That's what people don't understand. Like, that fight's a great character. You win, If you have all this hate, it's a thin line between love and hate. Like, there's, you know, you you hate his choices, but you love this character. Do you know who I am? No, nigga. Don't nobody know who you are. You ugly. That's what you is. I don't like no, I mean, him. He's, he's Captain America. That's no. what you're saying. Like, you don't know who I am? I'm Captain America. He's Captain Confederate. Wow. Disrespect. Real, real respect. That's what that is. It's the realness. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Anything else you want to say about no, John Walker for this episode? Because I'm mad now. I'm now I'm mad at him. I don't want to talk about him no more. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like that. You know, like I said, we already mentioned them going off the handle for their '80s action movie moment. That was great. Yeah. Um. You mentioned that Lamar's costume has his last name on it. Well, now, okay. Now, like, this could be yes. I, I, I will, I will admit this is me hating, but also. Yes. Also, the reason why, like, soldiers, they when they have their outfit on, they have usually have their last name on it. You mm-hmm. see Lamar has Hoskins on him. That's just that's just how it goes, right? Why Lamar, the only one with his name on the costume, right? Is it because mm-hmm. he's the black man? We got to do it like Ben Amin does. Is he the black man? You got to identify the black man. Like, if he is holding a basketball, you don't know who he is? I figured it was like a basketball jersey. You know, you put his name on the back, you know? He's the only one wearing it, though. Yeah, I mean, because he's a black one. So he wears a basketball <laughs> The black <jersey>. one. <laughs> what you think this is? The uh, black one. The black got, man. <laughs> black. I also got a shout out, uh, Hostin's Battle Star, because he has a star on his chest. The costume design actually has the Battle Star yes. on the chest. So that was very really dope. Yes, yes, you know, yes, yes. A little bit. But he still has not got a lineup. Yeah. But like I say, maybe that's just that. You know, protective naps right there. No, like stop moving on. Fam, my man has not put a comb through that. You think a bullet is going through that joint? Like, no. I mean, I got dreads. And, you know, and y'all pliable. call me the hater. So, it's more pliable. Than, you know, you know, my man's I wasn't saying is, all that. My man's lineup is <laughs> ass, dog. There is no excuse for that. Like, I, I, someone pointed out to me, I didn't notice it, and now I cannot look away. Every time he's on screen, I'm hoping he got a fade. No. Um, no. The only thing I have to say about Sam Wilson, the Falcon, is again he was he was complaining quite a lot this episode about different things, mm. and I feel like he's once again like what he was doing with his sister Sarah. He's writing checks he can't cash. Like he was talking all big, talking about he was talking all that cash shit. Like oh, I could clear your name when he was talking to Sharon. He was like, yo, help us. I could probably clear your name, Negro. You can't <laughs> right. even get a you can't even get a loan from wow. the family bank. So what makes you think you could do all this? Wow. I Truth. just felt he was being, again, it was just talking lots of cash shit. Bucky, that's my mans. Bucky's about that action. I told uh. y'all already. Yes, morality, da-da-da-da. I fucks with Bucky, okay? okay? Now, whether it was a wise decision for him to take Z- spring Zemo out of jail, we gonna see that later. Probably not. But it also shows that Bucky, that he, he, he plans ahead of time 
and that he's more than just a brute, okay? Because he's telling, and he he does the same thing to, if you you look, he does the same thing to his therapist. He tells the story like it's a hypothetical, but he did it already. Like Mm -hmm. when he tells the story, when when he talks to the therapist and and she's like, you didn't hurt nobody, he goes, well, what if I did this and that and that? He did it already when when he got that other Hydra woman out the paint. He does it again when he tells the story about potentially singing, springing Zemo out of jail to Sam. He goes, well, what if two <laughs> prisoners start fighting? And what if someone pulls a fire alarm and someone slips away? He says all this. He already did it. He already slipped the, the key into the book that Zemo takes. And, and, and he puts the whole thing into motion. And... He once again he he's thinking he's on his Machiavelli shit, right? He he plans ahead of time, he's using his own experiences, and he says this cold line, he goes, the weakest point in any system is the human element. Like, come on! Come on! Bucky's that nigga. I love Bucky. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't say Machiavelli, I would say Joker in the Dark Knight. All right, uh, Jesus. Pure, You're a pure. St- you are you, you are so disrespectful, bro. Like, pure chaos and a plan that makes Joker. absolutely a plan makes absolutely no sense when you step back and look at it, but because we needed the show to progress, the plan worked. Because well, other the, than the, that, the plan, the, the only thing about the plan wasn't the consequences of the plan, and that's the thing. I, Bucky doesn't seem to be thinking about the consequences thereof. Fam, He's I mean, just no, like plan, point A to point B, and point A to point B, it worked. Beyond the consequences, the plan would have never worked in any. It's just one of those things I where it's like this has to have, you know, these had it has, has to be to happen so, perfectly, so the show can go on. Yeah, because this, yeah, yeah no. No, yeah. how did you get the tea card of the book? How did you slip the note to the guy? Get yeah. the fuck out of here. But, all right. <laughs> Listen, 80s, yeah. 90s action movie, it is what it is. Yeah, that's all it was. So it has to be perfect, on. right? Yeah. Bucky yeah, also... Foolish. I, I Even though I loved it, I also recognized, I think he played his role a little bit too well in the you bar think? in Madripoor. Uh, yeah. When, when, when he was acting like he was a Winter Soldier and Zemo gave him the command to start fucking shit up, he seemed to be enjoying it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was enjoying it a little bit. Now he could have just be let, letting off some steam or whatever. But even Sam's looking at him like, "Yo, you good, bro? Like, you sure there's still not a little bit of Winter Soldier program is stuck in there? You you okay?" And and I got it because Bucky ain't had to do all that. Did mm-hmm. I enjoy it? Yes, but he ain't had to do all that. And also, I just want to make the point that as he was doing all that, people were recording them on their phones. So is that gonna get out? And how yeah. is that gonna look to other people? This terrorist evading another country, not very good. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. Also, like we said before, Bucky hit the woman bounty hunter with the pole, hit her with the pipe, you know. And but instead Don't of giving that. her, I mean, look, he did hit her with a pipe, you know. He said trying to get that pipe, and shout out, that's J.R. Smith who said that trying to get the pipe. But instead of snapping off a witty line like that, like I say, he's enjoying it earlier, but now he's like, oh, I went too far with that one. You know, he sits there and you see this moment of regret. Like, he is looking at that like, ooh, like, I just pinned her to the wall. Like, I mean, you got to appreciate the art in that book. You know, instead of being disgusted, you're like, ooh, you know, look you're what skillful. I did. Yeah, like, two points, you know, if you've been moving. <laughs> but no, yeah, he didn't. He was definitely regretting it at that point, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, he should have, I mean, trying to get the pipe would have been so perfect right there like stop it you just missed it buck like you missed it dog man (sighs) all right this takes us down to the final (laughs) section our easter eggs inspiration and music as i mentioned before lots of music this episode 
we have a few that we just listened to and, and realized what it was or, or stuff that was actually just said by the characters. Specifically, the first one, Trouble Man by Marvin Gaye. And then, is, that the, is that the name of the, not just a song, but a whole album as well? A whole album and soundtrack to a film, actually, about okay. a black Robin Hood type character in the hood. Oh, okay. So Sam, mm-hmm. when they're on the on Z, um, Zemo's PJ, Sam, well, first of all, Zemo, I don't know how he even got it. Zemo somehow gets Bucky's book that Bucky has been writing that list of names in. It's showing like with the book with the Machiavelli, but like people have suggested that he was already planning the escape and it's just showing once again that his slate of hand, he's quick, you know, okay. he got them hands. So he just, you know, whipped it off of Bucky at some point. Right. Well, it's revealed that that book that Bucky's writing all his names in is also the same book that Steve used when he was just, you know, out and about mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so I, you know, that's a keepsake of Steve's that, that Bucky rides around with. And, and it's also and it means like, a lot. Yeah. It's like that Steve probably gave it to him. Like, look, these are all the things I caught up on. This will help you get used to this century. Right. Catch right, up. Right. Sam's, bu- yeah. Yeah. But Bucky still got to live with what he's done. And so he's still got to go back and fix what he's done before he can even catch up with the new century. So in a way, you have Steve using that book to move forward into the future. And then you have Bucky using it. He kind of stuck in the past a little bit. He's still so. stuck in the past. Yeah. He's still thinking he can fix shit that he's done. And that's really not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then also the album is written in that book, uh, as you mentioned. Sam told mm-hmm. him about that too. too. And I love uh, when, when it's some cool stuff actually that that he that Steve was told to write uh, to to check out when he was learning about the new century. Like they put in like I love Lucy, mm-hmm. um, and, and like a whole bunch of like different cultural shit for him to like catch up to the. They put disco <laughs> like a whole yeah. bunch of stuff in there. And if you depend on what country you're in. That list changes for each country you're in, oh. because it yeah it reflects the specific history or pop cultural history of that country. Like the Beatles are definitely in the London one, and things of that nature. And the British English one, okay, yeah, uh, UK yeah. English one, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is the song "Amats" by Shanti Dope. Um, uh, actually, that's a Filipino artist. It plays when they're entering Low Town in Madripoor, and mm-hmm. you said the song is about position and power. Yep, like the power broker. The song is about the lyrics are referring to the fact that the person is, you know, assuming position, like my position is greater, you know, giving me power. Okay. There's yep. a song, Le Petit Homme by mm-hmm. Edith Piaf. Yep. I'm doing my best on the pronunciations. Uh, that song plays when Zemo, Sam, and Bucky go to meet Selby. That's when that slow motion scene where it's mm-hmm. all cool and shit. The song, That's a matrix. The, yeah, very matrix. The record, rather, came for the low by Zoo and Party with Ray uh, during Sharon's stolen art party. That song comes on, and and this uh, and, and the song is good. Like all this, these all this music choice is exceptional. Um, uh, Zoo is. I don't know if you know the song "Faded." Faded. Mm. I'm faded. Nah. All I want to do is come home with you. Faded. Okay. It's dope. It's a banger. Right. It's like a house banger, like zoo got bangers. Well, Zemo was definitely banging with it because he, <laughs> he was doing the, that. The just, straight face while he was doing it, though. Just did, to, he, did he not remind you of like like in Spider-Man 3 when, what's his face? Yes. He was dancing when Peter Parker was just doing his thing in Don't the club? Don't disrespect Zemo like that. <laughs> Don't disrespect he Zemo was like that. No, because Zemo was feeling the vibe, you he know, like, like yeah, okay. yeah. Toby was just, you know, whatever. Wow. Zemo okay. was in there like, 
back. Mm. Finally, <laughs> finally in songs, so that, music. That was that serious face. I thought Dr. Dre just hit it like, oh. In music, we have Coming Home Baby by Mel Torm. Uh, that was Torme. Mel Torme. Sorry, Torme. That Dr. Nagel was playing his lab on the record player. The legend Mel Torme. Big up the legend. Rest in peace. Easter egg. At the very beginning, when Zemo says longing, rusted 17, those are just some of the trigger words to activate Bucky's Winter Soldier programming. As we remember back in the that Winter Soldier intro, um, that's how Zemo like basically made but that's how excuse me, that's how Zemo got control of the Winter Soldiers. That's he learned that from that book that I don't know. I don't remember the name of the book, but the book had all the information about how to control the Winter Soldiers and how to deal with them. He learned this phraseology. It's longing, rusted, 17, daybreak, furnace, nine, benign, homecoming, one, and free car. And once again, in different languages, those words are completely different. That was just the English words, but for different films in different regions, he says a completely different list of words. Right. That I mean many episodes ago called the introduction of Madripoor into this series um, because he also saw the hint in the credits. Madripoor, mm-hmm. as we know in this episode, is is featured prominently. And we also get to see some cool places with that are actually existing in the comic book universe in Madripoor. We have the Princess Bar, which in the comments is a bar in the low town of Madripoor, which was frequented by an uh, interesting hairy character that at that time, in, in that particular story in the comics, he goes by the name of Patch. Who is Patch actually, Ben? I mean, Wolverine, baby, Mr. Logan himself. Yeah, who, yeah. In his first solo series in the 90s, uh, left Dead Manor would spend time in Madripoor wearing a patch over his eye. And somehow, <laughs> so the citizens of Madripoor did not realize <laughs> that this five foot four mutant. Who no hairy little bastard who nobody seen could seem to kill. <laughs> it's the Clark Kent syndrome. It's like, oh, he wearing glasses. I don't see him. No yeah, he more. got the patch on his eye. Ain't no way that's Wolverine. <laughs> I, I don't think he popped his claws much, at least while no, he was patched. No, but his so hair, was, his hair, his hair. We got remember Wolverine for the most part when he was out and about would be wearing a mask, so people would not know if wild True. ass hair is True. identifiable. So True. it kind of works, you know, when you really think about it. It was not as bad as Clark Kent. Like Clark right. Kent is just ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, But the whole point of the introduction of the Prince Brian, why we mentioned Wolverine is, again, this is more into the the integration of the X-Men world and and, and characters and stuff Mm -hmm. into the MCU. Yes. And also Madripoor is where, like I talked about this issue, uh, the Brass Monkey Saloon that we see appears in uh, Captain America Volume 1, 363. But there's another issue before that. I want to say 324. I don't know the issue offhand, but we mentioned it a couple weeks back where Steve Rogers, Wolverine, and Black Widow all fight Nazis and ninjas in World War II in Madripoor. It's one of the illest issues of all time. Look it up. Jim Lee art. Just, oh my God. And and, and that Brass Monkey Saloon is where our characters in this show went to when they Mm -hmm. went to meet up with Selby. Yep. Uh, and then finally in Easter eggs, Sam asks Bucky when they are getting, a, they're leaving <laughs> the shipping container scene. Sam asks Bucky if he's going to move his seat up, which is actually the reverse of the similar humorous scene between the both of them in Captain America Civil War, where mm-hmm. they have Bucky in the back seat. He asks Sam if he's going to move his seat up, and Sam's like, no. No. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. Bucky in the back seat. Yeah. That being said, just the final thing, anything new in the credits that you wanted to point out? 
Oh, yes. One little bit that once again, I saw this on a YouTube video because I did not notice this myself. This is I mean, basically because I don't speak the language. I want to say it's in Korean. There is a uh, the, for I think it's for Korean, but basically in another language other than English, there's a symbol for the word gold. And okay. there's also some other symbols that when translate say gold corrupts the accomplice and they're on the Matterpore page. Right. When it quickly shows some stuff about Matterpore. So that's what people are taking that hint, like gold corrupts an accomplice. Sharon was an accomplice to these other characters. Has the gold, has the money corrupted her? Mm. Once, I don't know. I, I think I, I just would reaching? like her to. No, I would like her to be the power broker more than I would like her to be working for the power broker. I've seen mm. some other things where people are saying that she might be working for Fury undercover because she actually. Because she was pulls- before. She was before, and she pulls out the same type of flip phone that Fury is using recently. The older, like, not a, you know, modern version. Like, a 2013 joint. Yeah. So, it's like, that's the same thing he was using recently. So, there's that. And that I could see as well, you know, that she's still working undercover and, uh, you know, all this. Which I would like, you know, I'd like that as well. But I would also, if not, I would like her to be the power broker. But I also don't want her to come in like, me, I was the power broker, you know, like. It was me all along. Yeah, it was me all along, Austin. It was me all along. Right. And that is everything in our recap review of episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We made it under two hours this time. Clap for us. That being said, thank you to everyone who has joined us on the YouTubes and on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash for all nerds. We see you in the chat. We are chatting with you right now. Thank you so much for coming through every single week. As I keep telling y'all, if y'all come through consistently, it gets popping in the chat. We give away free subs. So make sure you're in there. You got to be in it to win it. Also, make sure let them you, know the time. Let them know the time. Make and sure the day. you are with us every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's mm-hmm. New York time. Make sure yes. you are with us, rocking with us. Make sure you are subscribed to us on the podcast. If you have to listen to the audio too, that's good. That's why we do the audio. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Play Music. Everything I said, Apple Play Music. Lord Jesus, I'm tired. We everything you could think of, we are on there. It's it's an amalgamation of all of the musics. Okay, okay. (laughs) So make sure you are subscribed to us everywhere. Make sure you're following us on the socials at For All Nerds. You can also follow us. I'm at Tatiana King. This is at DJ Ben Hamin, and as we said, at For All Nerds across the universe, across the multiverse. Make sure you hit us up if you can, if you want to support us even more, if you love what you're hearing, you love our incredible team that makes us sound good and look good. Thank you to them. We would really, really appreciate them and really appreciate everyone who's been helping out on that end. Hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash for all nerds. People on our Patreon gets lots of goodies and they get lots of, of what's the word I'm looking for? Lots of uh, things that other people can't do. Privileges. That's the word. Privileges. Gifts. Gifts. <laughs> donations and kits also you can hit up our T public page Ben I mean is wearing the beautiful Lawanda and little Vigi, Vizzy Vert shirt that is from our WandaVision review show you can hit us up tpublic.com slash stores slash for all nerds for those incredible designs thank you to all the designers who have helped us out over the years what am I missing anything else Ben I mean no, but make sure you head, like you said, to tpublic.com slash 
store slash for all nerds and pick up the new views from the 616 logo yes. designed by Dr. Infinite Mind Warp. And I mean, just thank you, dog. You know, thank you, Theotis. I know you for years. Thank you so much. You just rock that joint. It's so ill. I can't wait to get my own shirt. I don't know if I'm going to have it in time for next episode, but before the season's out, mm-hmm. before Winter Soldier's out, you will see it on my chest. Fire Fuego is coming soon. It is now available in all the stores because I'm going to do the work and put it up right now after we finish recording. That's how much we love y'all. Yep. Yeah.